All right, welcome to the INA podcast, Impact. We're going to talk about security-related issues. INA, if you do not know, stands for Information Network Associates. We're a Harrisburg-based risk, security, intelligence, and investigative company. With me today will be John Santanito. He's going to, he's the president of the company. He's going to be discussing some issues related to the coronavirus, COVID-19, and how they may impact some security. John is the president of our company. John, I don't know if you want to get a little bit of your background here to the people listening. Sure. Uh, my background was in law enforcement before I joined INA. Uh, I was a uh, county detective with the Cumberland County, Pennsylvania District Attorney's Office uh, right before I joined the INA. Uh, this week actually marks my 19th anniversary with uh, with the company. I've been here 19 years. So let's just get into it because we don't want this to be too long. We'll, we'll talk about the coronavirus and the impact on security. So you know, you're, you're a person, you're a company or organization. What are some areas of concern related to security that have been impacted by this virus, by the lockdowns, by the various things that are related to it? Well, criminal, criminals are opportunistic. So they're always looking for things that they can exploit to gain an advantage. And one of the things uh, this pandemic has created is a lot of vulnerabilities within businesses. And, and when I talk about uh, vulnerabilities, I'm going to talk about them from a physical perspective and from a, a cybersecurity perspective. Uh, from a physical perspective, you have a lot of buildings that are currently unoccupied um, who suddenly put their workforce uh, out of, uh, out of the, the, the workplace, um, push them out to work from home. Uh, potentially, many of these buildings do not have active working alarm systems or fire systems uh, and or... Uh, you know, they haven't been tested in, in quite a while. Some buildings that were previously running 24-7 uh, are, are suddenly vacant and have been for weeks. So that certainly creates opportunities for criminals to take advantage of those situations. And then, of course, on the cybersecurity side, you have a lot of vulnerabilities from your, your remote working workforce. Uh, many individuals are working from home who didn't work from home before. There was a mad rush to, uh, to create VPN access and give everybody access to the networks so they could work remotely. Many of those individuals are working from home computers that are not company issued uh, they, in, a, in a bring your own device to work uh, policy environment. Um, so you have a lot of uh, computers and devices connected to systems that uh, have never really been vetted or tested um, or properly secured. And the criminals are certainly going to find ways to exploit that and take advantage of that. So with regards to that, how can businesses actually protect themselves from these kind of threats? Well, one of the things that they can do is to make sure that they actually, uh, you know, uh, take some time to think through their new cybersecurity posture. So right now, you know, uh, everybody was working in crisis mode for the last couple of weeks. Um, but uh, we're, we're hoping that businesses will reopen. But right now, we're probably going to have to work with at least a majority of our people working remotely for a period of time. So uh, with that environment, it's never too late to start thinking about uh, cybersecurity within the, uh, by the users. Uh, roll out an employee education program to educate them on things like uh, phishing attacks and cybersecurity hygiene and the need for uh, to change their passwords uh, uh, regularly on their home network and, uh, and on their Wi-Fi networks, and also to create standards for them. 
many of the things that happened were a lot of businesses pushed their employees out to work from home as quickly as possible, but they never really set standards or guidelines or checklists for those employees to follow. So unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who have no idea what they're doing as far as cybersecurity. Uh, cybersecurity has now fallen to the users uh, in, in that they're required to set their Wi-Fi network uh, passwords uh, and under home network and also then to make sure that their computer uh, is patched oftentimes uh, you know companies lost the ability to push patches to computers uh, when they uh, when they went remote so you know you you have to create some some checklists and check in with your employees regularly to make sure that they're keeping up on all the latest cybersecurity measures and of course for for building security you know, there's a lot of companies out there that are thinking about uh, physical security within their buildings uh, now for the first time and, and realized how vulnerable they are. So if you have valuable property within your building or if you have, uh, you know, equipment that could be stolen and resold um, and quite frankly, what business doesn't, uh, you know, you might want to think about taking a look at the physical security posture and most of that is about either uh, delaying somebody from gaining entry to the building um, or detecting them once they do that. So those are the, the two things that they really want to think about is delaying and detecting uh, somebody uh, coming into the building. And if they have a large building and, and inability to install an alarm system or to uh, get anyone out to make physical security upgrades, they might want to think about having uh, a guard in their premises, particularly overnight. Great. So... There's a, there's a lot of talk about companies, you know, some of them are going out of business or struggling financially. So what are some like very common sense things they can do to protect or, you know, delay and detect during this time period um, beyond like putting in a, a robust system, security system or hiring a security guard? Are there some common sense things they can do? Uh, there are. Uh, many businesses uh, right now uh, are empty, but they need to make sure that their business doesn't look like it's empty. So this is a good opportunity to, to go to the business periodically, turn on different lights that are normally on, uh, move some things around outside, um, post some signs out to, you know, to make somebody think that uh, there's people coming and going from the building or inside the building. Uh, on a regular basis. So the last thing they want to look at is that they've abandoned their buildings and that the buildings are un unoccupied. And, and really that's just a matter of visiting and changing some things up uh, periodically so that if someone's looking at their building and thinking about uh, ways that they can break in, that they, they you, you put them off guard. Um, certainly also there's a lot of inexpensive cameras, even ring doorbell cameras and other things that allow people to be notified when there's uh, movement and activity. Uh, if, you, uh, if you have an opportunity to install some of those, most of those can be installed um, by the users themselves without having the company come in. Uh, and, uh, you know, this might be a good opportunity to, to, to spend a couple hundred dollars and buy a ring doorbell that at least you can tap into the video feed and take a look and or get notified if there's motion on the doorbell, uh, those kind of things. So uh, those are some very inexpensive things that uh, companies can do until they can get a more professionally installed system in their buildings. And then on the cybersecurity side, I think they, they need to make sure that, you know, they're, they're educating their workforce on what to do, especially phishing scams. Ransomware is up dramatically right now um, because a lot of users are working remotely. They're, they're pushing files back and forth. It, it's not 
too difficult for the, the criminals to impersonate someone from the company and get someone to open up an attachment and then install malware in the computer, uh, either ransomware or information to be able to steal financial data or information from that computer network. So you, you have to educate your staff and then educate them some more and then remind them what you've educated them on. A lot of businesses are probably considering or hiring security guards. You know, during this time period, either they have an idle facility or they just feel they need a little more extra protection during this time. What should they be looking for in a security guard and what things should that guard be doing? Sure. And obviously, security companies uh, are not all created equal. Uh, definitely training standards and, and pay rate that the, the guards are being paid have a huge difference. So if you're, if you're interviewing companies, you should ask them questions about uh, their training standards, about their, uh, their processes, how long have they been in business, ask for references and talk to references uh, and, and I realize that it may not be an easy thing to do because of a lot of businesses being closed right now, um, but most companies um, who are still operational um, will at least uh, answer phone calls and so forth and be able to provide that, uh, those references. Uh, the other part of it is, you know, make sure that there's actually standard operating procedures for the guards to follow. So if, if they're going to be in the building, um, you, want to, you want to keep the guards busy as much as possible. So uh, letting them taking readings on instruments or making them walk around the building and log the, the activity within the building is certainly valuable. Uh, the other possibility is to uh, make the company uh, use a guard verification system. So with these systems, uh, there, these these systems cost a couple hundred dollars. Uh, the guards walk around with a device that is a uh, about the size of a cigar, and there's buttons around the building which are non-powered buttons or sort of magnetic little uh, buttons, uh, if you will. They're called buttons because they look like buttons, um, but they're sort of about the size of a car battery. Uh, I'm sorry, not a car battery, a, a watch battery. Uh, and the guard has to touch his device to those sensors or those, uh, uh, those buttons around the building. So it makes sure that they actually walk around the building uh, on a regular basis. And then there's software that the, the wand itself that the guard's carrying around gets put into a cradle. And then there's a software that will actually show which buttons they hit on what time frame uh, and uh, to show that the guards are actually doing their rounds. Uh, and check up on them uh, unexpectedly as well, making sure that they're not uh, uh, sleeping or, or not paying attention. Uh, guard, uh, the guard industry is full of a lot of, uh, you know, subpar players. You want to make sure that you, you get a, a quality company who's actually doing what you want uh, and that uh, that company is is well uh, informed about what their expectations are for the company. And then also then that uh, they have a good quality procedure in place to, to make sure those guards are doing what they need to be do, doing. So lots of people are telecommuting and, you know, we've been talking a little bit about some of the security issues, but what are some things that can happen to people while they're telecommuting um, to both the company and the individual at their home? Sure. So, you know, a VPN access or virtual private network is really a secure portal between the home computer and the company itself. Um, so if they're connected through a VPN access, that, that tunnel is very hard for cyber criminals to be able to penetrate that tunnel or intercept data in transit. Um, so what they're going to really focus on is intercepting or getting malware put on uh, one of the devices on either end. Uh, if they can't penetrate the network itself and get things put on the server for the network, 
network, and they're going to try and get to the the end user's home PC or or mobile device and try and put malware on that. And unfortunately, with everybody working from home, those are the devices that are most valuable or uh, vulnerable. So the companies need to make sure that their employees actually have good software, that they're patching their home networks. Uh, many computers out there right now uh, are, are unpatched. And the longer this goes on, the more vulnerable those computers are going to, uh, to uh, take place. And the, the biggest risk right now is from phishing attempts by, by criminals. So they're, they're trying to send malicious attachments to individuals, trying to get them to open those attachments. Um, and sometimes they're even uh, doing it through emails or by text messages or through other devices. And they're basically trying to get a user to trust them, open up the attachment, and then that attachment will install malware on their computers and, and, uh, and create vulnerabilities in that direction. So, so the, the biggest vulnerabilities right now are through, uh, uh, through phishing emails of one sort or another. They may also even call the, the users up or call the business, which is then potentially going to get forwarded out to a cell phone. And, and then they'll pretend to be someone higher ranking within the organization and demand access to critical information or sensitive information. Uh, they also could pretend to be the IT department and say that they noticed a, an irregularity, get the individual to give up their username and password, uh, things like that. So education is the key with this. You have to educate your employees on what kind of scams are going around and, and what's a, what they need to do to protect themselves. Many of these scams are using the COVID-19 outbreak as an opportunity. So uh, most of the email uh, phishing scams that are out there are saying, you know, breaking news from COVID-19, you need to uh, click here to, to see this information. Um, or they're saying that you've been exposed to someone who's tested positive for COVID-19, please click here, enter in your health information so that we can give you further information. So it, people are falling for those kind of things all the time and the cyber criminals know that they're playing off of those people's fears uh, to create vulnerabilities. And, and this, these kind of things are, are prevalent right now out there in the cybersecurity realm. The other uh, thing that they're doing to businesses right now is uh, taking advantage of all the companies that are applying for business loans and grants that are out there under the Small Business Administration. They're actually impersonating the Small Business Administration, um, pretending to be loan officers from those organizations, sending emails to people saying they need additional information, getting them to disclose their banking account information uh, and other uh, relevant uh, uh, personal identifying information or PII. And with that PII, they, they now have enough to either drain the accounts of the business or the individual um, and or to be able to apply for credit in that person's name. So the cyber criminals, like I said in the beginning, they're very opportunistic. They're going to take advantage of this crisis uh, to steal money, data, and property. Great. So, yeah, I think I've even seen thing uh, where the CDC was uh, being impersonated to gather information. So it's definitely a problem out there. What about some ways that people can take to mitigate these risks, these cybersecurity risks? Yeah, we've hit on them as we've gone along here today. I'm still a big believer in educating your workforce because, you know, they are the weakest link in the chain. Rather than hack a network, all I need to do is hack an individual. And uh, so if you're not educating your employees, then you're really creating the, the biggest vulnerability of all um, because people can be duped uh, sometimes very easily into divulging confidential information, giving up their username and password to a network. 
um, and or giving uh, other confidential information out. Uh, and they're not always well versed in cybersecurity. So, you know, educating the users and over communicating to them about cybersecurity risks is, is the first step I would do to protect the, the network. Uh, the second thing I would do is to take some steps to make sure that software patches and vulnerabilities are, are, are taken care of right away. Um, you know, they, the Microsoft releases, uh, you know, release, new patches to their network almost every Tuesday. And, and the hackers always say there's, you know, there's software release Tuesday and there's hack Wednesday. And uh, so the very next day they're looking for what uh, vulnerabilities were patched. And before those networks can actually patch them, they're, they're then exploiting those vulnerabilities and writing script to, to exploit those vulnerabilities that were just patched for those computers who have not yet patched their computers. So software patches are critical, making sure that the users are doing those. If most companies do not have the ability to push software patches through a VPN, uh, if you don't have that ability, then you need to educate your workforce and, and walk them through individually how to update their individual computers. Uh, and, and, the, um, and I go back to this over and over again, though, that educating the workforce is the number one concern. You need to communicate this to your workforce about what's going on out there so that they don't fall victim to these uh, scams. Yeah, so that goes along with, I uh, use the term cybersecurity hygiene. Is that, is that what you're talking about when you use that term? Yes, I, I, I use that phrase uh, frequently when I'm talking to people about good cybersecurity hygiene. Uh, you know, you have to make sure that that uh, that you're taking care of your cybersecurity network because it's going to pay great dividends in the end. Okay, perfect. So right now there's a lot of information out there, or should I say disinformation, um, that we're hearing about coming from foreign entities, foreign governments. What are some risks that these uh, disinformation campaigns present? You know, those companies are countries who um, were targeting us before. So the, 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 the Russians, the Chinese, the, the Iranians, uh, the North Koreans are all out there taking advantage of the situation to either steal data um, and or to create chaos within the United States as well because it gives them a geopolitical edge. So those things are going on pretty regularly. Um, some recent information is even that the North Koreans are using ransomware attacks as a way of funding their nuclear program because of the sanctions. Uh, they're having a hard time getting funding through normal streams. So their government is actually sanctioning ransomware attacks against companies in order to use that money to funnel into uh, their, uh, their nuclear ambitions. And, and other foreign governments uh, are involved in espionage and stealing of trade secrets all the time. Uh, these actors haven't stopped because of this uh, COVID-19 outbreak. In fact, they've ramped up their activities knowing that there's more of an opportunity for them to be able to steal the information that they're, that they're trying to get. So these kind of things are going on on a regular basis. Those threats are real. Uh, they're using the same tools as the other hackers that are out there. It's just that they have a lot more sophisticated methods and money for doing things. Uh, and one of the other things that they're doing is pushing misinformation to sow chaos within American society to keep uh, people off balance and also sometimes to deflect uh, blame um, and or uh, to cover up the wrongdoings or, or uh, incompetence of their own governments in dealing with this threat. So uh, there have been many things coming out of China blaming the U.S. for this outbreak, saying that it was U.S. soldiers that brought it to the Chinese laboratories uh, and, uh, and sowing that misinformation uh, on social media. And uh, if you're on social media, you see things all the time with these wild conspiracy theories. Um, please don't believe everything you read. Uh, look through uh, and, and actually do your homework and, uh, and make sure that the information is real. 
Uh, there's a whole lot of misinformation that's being spread through social media and websites out there. Some of it's by foreign governments, some of it's just from uh, misinformed individuals, but unfortunately they're using those social media platforms to push that um, false narrative out there. So you're, you're a company or you're a person who wants to provide some good, accurate information. How can you more effectively communicate what information is true, what information is disinformation to, I don't know, say your, your employee base or just to the general public? Sure. And it's very difficult to keep up on these things because these campaigns are going on all the time. Uh, I think that right now the best thing companies can do is to communicate or even over-communicate with their staff. Keep them informed on a, on a regular basis on what's going on within the world, what kind of scams are going on, what kind of misinformation is floating around about uh, and out there. And, and, you know, it's difficult for companies to keep up on all of this. So that's where a qualified third-party vendor intelligence company may be able to come in um, to be able to feed that intelligence to them so that they can then craft a message and put it out to their staff. Um, it's very difficult sometimes to keep up with the you know, hundreds of social media platforms that are out there with the, you know, the various news sources and discerning what's uh, fake news from, from real news. Um, and, uh, and sometimes uh, it, it, companies spend an exorbitant amount of time uh, tracking down that information. And if, uh, if you don't have the resources to do it yourself, then you may want to think about contracting with an intelligence company to be able to give you the latest information about what's going on in the geopolitical uh, world. Great. So there's a, there's a lot of discussion, especially in Europe right now, about easing some of these lockdown restrictions. But for some people, it's not happening fast enough. So it appears that there's a lot of you know, protests because individuals are becoming impatient. Um, some are out of work, so they want to get back to work. So this, could in, you know, this can really impact a business adversely. So what issues might arise should the coronavirus lockdown measures be prolonged or if people don't feel that they're, the economy is opening up quick enough? Sure. I think that there's always an opportunity for um, this to get worse uh, and or that we, we may go back to work and then have a resurgence in the fall. So companies always need to think about uh, what they need to do in order to keep their businesses open. If you're a life-sustaining business uh, in most states, you're, you're operational now um, with, uh, with, with uh, Department of Health guidelines. Um, if you're not a, an essential business, uh, you know, you're certainly looking for the future of when you may be able to come back online. Um, and, uh, and I think we all have to make sure that we update our disaster plans and we have mitigation strategies to say, okay, what happens if this starts all over again? What happens if this does uh, delay for a period of time? And I know that for most companies, they're just looking at the economic impact, um, but they have to start looking for the future. So um, once these, these restrictions are lifted, what do they need to do? But certainly the, the longer this drags on, you know, the more buildings are vacant, the more opportunity there is for criminals to take advantage of those vacant buildings. Uh, the more people are working remotely from, you know, untested systems, the more vulnerability there is on the cybersecurity side. Um, but also, you know, you have a real potential for civil unrest and unrest within the workforce. You're already even seeing some of the essential businesses have their employees go on strike uh, and uh, in, in protest the working conditions. So you might want to really take a hard look uh, and communicate with your employees about, you know, what can you do 
uh, to provide the safest workforce uh, possible. Um, but but also, you know, the, you have to understand that, you know, the, the longer this drags on, the more this crisis goes, the more potential for civil unrest, particularly in major urban areas, uh, there's, there's potential for rioting, there's a potential for uh, uh, individuals uh, staging protests or, or vandalizing businesses. Um, there's also a lot of people out there that are taking advantage of um, vacant religious uh, institutions and anti-Semitic behaviors increasing um, because they know that there, there's not anybody in these facilities. So uh, arsons uh, and, and vandalism and theft are all very real concerns. Uh, the longer this goes on, the more uh, there is that those kind of things may impact your business and, and you better uh, have a plan for dealing with it if it does. Yeah, and uh, as you kind of mentioned earlier, it's uh, probably important to keep monitoring these situations to make sure you, you understand what's going on and what's happening, not just uh, in your area, but also wor worldwide. So so that'll, that'll conclude it. Um, I don't know if you have anything that you'd like to add just before we end it here, but um, now's your opportunity. If not, we'll close down the uh, first podcast that we had. All right. Thank you uh, for the opportunity and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, I think that uh, we, we have a great opportunity to share information. If anyone has any questions about uh, any of the things that we've talked about today, INA is, is happy to discuss any of your concerns or address any of your, your, your issues um, or expound upon any of the things we've talked about. All right. Well, and with that, we will end it. And thank you, John, again, for uh, coming on and just giving us an opportunity to discuss these security issues and the coronavirus. Um, it's a really interesting time that we live in. And again, thank you to the audience out there. We appreciate it. And we'll have more in the future. Thanks. <laughs>